I want to give you exactly 18 seconds to answer this question in your mind. How's your worship life? Ready, set, go. Now here's a follow-up question. Beyond how often do you worship, how did you evaluate your worship life? What did you actually evaluate? In other words, how do you know how your worship life is? Truth is, I think we are far more adept at evaluating worship services than we are at evaluating our worship life. At least I know that's true for me. I'm not asking these questions to shame you, but, but to highlight what I think is some fundamental confusion about worship. Today, as we conclude our series entitled In the Habit, I want to explore what worship is and how the habit of worship shapes us. Of all the habits we've discussed that shape our lives and transform us, we've saved the foundational habit for last. Every other habit flows from and feeds into our worship life. To get a clear understanding of worship, let's read together Psalm 34, verses 1 through 10. I will praise the Lord at all times. I will constantly speak His praises. I will boast only in the Lord. Let all who are helpless take heart. Come, let us tell of the Lord's greatness. Let us exalt his name together. I prayed to the Lord and he answered me. He freed me from all my fears. Those who look to him for help will be radiant with joy. No shadow of shame will darken their faces. In my desperation, I prayed and the Lord listened. He saved me from all my troubles. For the angel of the Lord is a guard. He surrounds and defends all who fear him. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Oh, the joys of those who take refuge in him. Fear the Lord, you, his godly people. For those who fear him, will have all they need. Even strong young lions sometimes go hungry. But those who trust in the Lord will lack no good thing. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. All right, let's start with a foundational question. What is worship? How would you define it? Many of us have, unfortunately, turned worship into a noun. Worship is something that we attend. Worship is something that we go to. And from that perspective, worship is, is sort of like a performance. Trained professionals do their act and the rest of us passively observe and, and let's be honest, often critique. But I think that belies a fundamental misunderstanding of what worship really is. Worship isn't ultimately a noun. It's a verb. It's something that we collectively do. Or to be more precise, 
it's how God's people are to live, not just on a Saturday night or a Sunday morning, but every moment of every day. To worship literally means to ascribe worth to God, to tell God how worthy God is, to give God our praise and thanksgiving. God is the recipient of worship, not us. Now, let me try and give some definition to worship. Now, there are lots of definitions out there, but I find this one helpful. Worship begins with the recognition of the awareness of God, continues when our hearts are gripped and moved by the love of God for us, and then is expressed in thought, word, or deed. Let's break that definition down a bit. Worship begins with the recognition of the awareness of God. Some years ago, I spent a week with my family in the Upper Peninsula of Michigan at a family camp. One night, we laid uh, at the end of a boat dock, staring up into the night sky late at night. Because there are so few lights in the Upper Peninsula, and because the sky was so clear that night, the stars were phenomenal. From horizon to horizon, millions of tiny points of light were visible, as was the Milky Way. Shooting stars blazed across the the great curtain of night. It was spectacular. It, It boggled my mind to think about the sheer vastness of space, and I was overwhelmed with this sense of the awesomeness of God the Creator. Passages of Scripture came to mind, like this one from Psalm 19. The heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the work of His hands. Day after day, they pour forth speech. Night after night, they display knowledge. Theologian Richard Rohr is fond of saying that the first act of divine revelation is creation itself. The first cathedral ever built is this majestic world, and the first Bible to reveal who God is, is the Bible of nature. If we'll have eyes to see, so many experiences in this life draw our hearts and minds away from ourselves and to the awesomeness of God. A newborn baby, a sunset, a field of wildflowers, I can't even look at a blade of grass and and notice the intricacy of its design and think about the process of photosynthesis that happens within and not be filled with with wonder at the awesomeness of our Creator. I want to suggest that that's where worship starts, in the recognition of the awesomeness of the God of wonders. So, worship begins with a recognition of the awesomeness of God. But it doesn't end there. Worship continues when our hearts are gripped and moved by the love of God for us. A strange thing happens when we become aware of how awesome God is. We immediately become aware of how small we are. Now, I'm all for healthy self-esteem, but let's face it, in the grand scheme of the cosmos, we aren't much. And yet, Scripture says over and over again that we are loved, cherished by God. David put it this way in Psalm 8, When I look up into the night skies and see the work of your fingers, 
the moon and the stars you have made? I cannot understand how you bother with mere puny human beings to pay attention to any of them. And yet you have made them only a little lower than the angels and placed a crown of glory and honor on their heads. Mm. You know, I had a friend named Tom in Columbus, Ohio, who recently died from cancer. He was a huge Cleveland's Browns fan, and, and one of his dying wishes was to get to one of the last Browns games. Now, somehow that wish found its way to Baker Mayfield, the Cleveland quarterback. Mayfield flew Tom and several of his friends to the game and hosted them in one of his skyboxes. Mayfield's wife, Emily, spent over a half hour with him, and when the game was over, Mayfield personally drove Tom and his friends to their hotel. Now, Baker Mayfield is a big deal in the world of football, especially to Browns fans. Tom was overwhelmed with the love and the care that he received that day. How much more overwhelmed are we when we are gripped and moved by the fact that the creator of the universe knows each one of us and loves us unconditionally? How much more overwhelmed are we when, when we consider God's generosity in sending Jesus to reveal the depth of his love and forgiveness? How much more overwhelmed are we when we remember that, that we are never alone and that God is at work in our lives and in our world through the Holy Spirit, giving us hope even in the most seemingly hopeless moments of life? Now, when I pause to think about those things, when I consider how great a love is ours, my heart wells up with gratitude and love for God. So, worship begins with a recognition of the awesomeness of God, and it continues when our hearts are gripped and moved by the love of God for us. And that leads to the final part of our worship definition. When we recognize the awesomeness of our God and are gripped and moved by God's love for us, we express it. We express it in thought, word, or deed. Our reading today from Psalm 34 is a beautiful example of this idea. Now, through experience, David had come to know the goodness and wonder of God, and it so filled his heart that it overflowed from his lips. I will praise the Lord at all times. I will constantly speak his praises, he wrote. But those words are just the tip of the iceberg. Worship is words and singing, but it's also dancing with abandon, weeping with joy, clapping with gratitude, serving with humility. The Bible is filled with lots of varied expressions of worship. But one word that is frequently connected to worship is the word sacrifice. Hebrews 13.15 says, Let us continually offer to God the sacrifice of praise. Romans 12 verse 1 says, Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. In the ancient traditions of the Israelites, 
Worshiping God used to mean bringing animal sacrifices to both appease God's righteous anger as well as to express their gratitude for God's goodness. But Jesus taught us that God doesn't desire animal sacrifices. God desires the sacrifice of our love and our praise. When we come to worship, primarily focusing on what we're going to get out of the experience, we miss the heart of worship. The more we pour ourselves out in honoring and praising God, the more God fills us with the joy of his presence. Worship is a sacrifice, but in the end, we always receive more than we give. The habit of worship shapes us by focusing our hearts and our minds on God, God's presence and God's love. When we recognize the awesomeness of God and are gripped and moved by his love, we can't help but overflow with praise and gratitude and honor from our hearts. That is worship. It's what disciples do, no matter what the season of our discipleship journey. It's what we do, not just on Sunday mornings, but every day. It's, it's what we do because we are children of God. Take a moment and see what that looks like in the lives of some of our disciples. My experience of worship is shaped by Paul's appeal to us in Romans 12, verse 1. Paul says, Present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your worship. Our daily lives are our worship. Sometimes for me, worship is an experience of God filled with praise and gratitude. But it is also taking up the cross, loving my family, my neighbors, my enemies, doing my work, caring for creation, seeking peace and justice, asking what is God up to, and joining God in doing what God is up to. It's all worship. And there was one moment when all of the high school volunteers just took our break together and we were hanging out in hammocks and I happened to have a ukulele with me because why wouldn't I have a ukulele in a hammock? And we just ended up doing some worshiping, just like the five of us together. And it was a really nice moment when we were just kind of taking a break from all the busyness and we got to feel God and really feel that gratitude and express our gratitude to Him. And it kind of reminded me that like worship doesn't always have to be in church with a worship leader, singing with the drums and everything. It can just be five kids in hammocks with a ukulele, and you take some time in your life to say thank you to God. The bottom line for me is a regular, daily, devotional time, which consists of meditation, using favorite prayer books and devotionals, which actually have been gifted to me. They're well-worn, they're dated, they're underlined, messed up familiar works, yet they read anew and adapt to current situations. Yeah, I was like from a very young age, always the way I would connect with God was through music. And as I got older, I've gotten to help out like leading through music. And I got to really feel what it's like to use that gift that he gave you to direct yourself and others to God. And that's a really cool thing, both at church and when I can just be in my room playing on the guitar, Sometimes I'll just like grab a Bible verse and be like, this is a song now. And I get to just use that gift that God gave me to take some time to worship Him. Painting and the creative process, as you know, is another strong way for me. And it washes into my mind in the same way. Same kind of creativity washes out onto surfaces. 
Sometimes I can't pull off what my mind's eye sees, but most times it is better if I don't try to control the outcome. And my prayer is that, by God's grace, every moment of my life is holy and acceptable to God. That is so, so good. I want to challenge you to do something throughout this week that I personally find makes my experience of worship on a Saturday night or a Sunday morning or any time throughout the week so much more powerful and meaningful. Our reading from Psalm 34 today included these words, taste and see that the Lord is good. What does it mean to taste and see that the Lord is good? Well, I believe it means opening up our eyes, the eyes of our heart, to see that everything good in life is a reflection of the loving heart of God. Every sunrise and sunset, every child's giggle, every drink of cold water on a hot day, every smile from a stranger, every cup of coffee in the morning, every hug from a friend, every bird song, every moment of restful sleep, everything good in this life is meant to point you to the awareness of our loving God. So this week, allow yourself to become more aware of God's presence in every moment of the day, no matter what's happening in your life. Taste and see God's goodness and love all around you, and you'll find that in doing so, your heart will overflow with praise and thanksgiving. You won't be able to wait until next Sunday to worship God, so don't. Worship wherever you find yourself throughout the week, and you'll soon discover that when we do gather together for worship, the experience is all the more powerful in shaping our lives. Let's pray. God, you are worthy of our worship. You are so good. And so this week, as we walk through our days, would you open our eyes and the eyes of our hearts to see your awesomeness all around us, to know the depth of your love for us, so that we cannot help but open our lips and open our lives to express with gratitude our praise of you, for you alone are worthy of our worship and praise. All of this we pray in the strong name of Christ, and together all God's people said, Amen.